Well, good morning. How many of you like going around looking at lights, Christmas lights? Yeah, I love it. I love it. In fact, uh, we went down to uh, Christmas in the Park a couple nights ago and just had a great time. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. What's severely lacking, and, and what we definitely point out as we drive along, and I know Dave has mentioned this as well, is, is manger scenes. Um, you know, there's a lot of Santa Clauses and a lot of snowmen and stuff like that, but uh, severely missing is, is manger scenes, uh, which makes this uh, story a little bit more understandable. Uh, during the holidays, uh, the five-year-old was showing his little sister around the Christmas display at church. Here are the shepherds, he explained knowledgeably, and there are the sheep and the cows and the wise men, and here is Mary. She's Jesus' mother. And that's Mary's husband, Verge. A teacher who was nearby overheard and offered a correction. Uh, Mary's husband's name was Joseph, dear, she said, not Verge. The five-year-old wrinkled his brow. Then how come, he wanted to know, the preacher always talks about Virgin Mary? <laughs> right? <laughs> Just as that boy easily and understandably got off track, so can we. Last week, uh, Dave spoke about spending less. And this week, I'm talking to you about giving more, which makes very little sense to, to those of us that are mathematically inclined. In our culture, spending less and giving more are opposites. Giving more, the way they describe it and the way that a lot of us get sucked into believing, is uh, going from this one year to this the next year. Or uh, going from this one year to this the next year. Uh, yeah, wouldn't that be nice, right? But they're, they're pushing this idea of, of give more, give more, because that means more in their pockets. But it's a very different kind of giving more. Last week, uh, as I mentioned, Dave talked about spending less. And... With these two messages in our uh, Advent Conspiracy series, you know, you could, you could look at the title and interpret it in a lot of different ways. If you're told spend less, that, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. If you're told give more, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And this whole idea of, of spending less could have a lot of different reasons to it. And Dave, rightly so, looked at this question. Why? Why spend less? Well, and he, and he followed it with this phrase, so that, so that. Spend less so that. Not spend less so that you have a little bit more of a nest egg or spend less uh, just because you have to this year or whatever, but he gave us some very tangible walkaways. He said, spend money on one less gift this year, so spend a little bit less money, so that you have something to give away, so that you have a little bit more. You know what? I'm not going to buy this present for this one person, and instead, I'm going to take that money and give it away. There's intentionality behind it. The amount of money spent is the same. It's just where it's going to. Same thing he mentioned regarding time. He said, spend time on one less outing this year so that you have some time to give away. You know, there's lots of different 
Christmas parties and activities and just a lot of hustle and bustle around this time. And uh, he encouraged us to spend less, just, just remove one of those outings and say, you know what, I'm not going to go to this one this year, and instead I'm going to go and serve. I'm going to give. Well, so he, he gave us intentionality behind spending less. Spend less so that. And this week we're going to take a look at giving more. But before we get into it, what I want you to do is, is turn to somebody next to you, somebody around you, and, and just talk about this question. Why do you give gifts? Why do you give gifts? Okay? Talk to people around you. Why do you give gifts? Hopefully we've got a lot of great answers. Hopefully some honest answers. You know? Because <laughs> mom and dad tell me to. <laughs> or whatever it is, Right? But we're going to take a look at that this morning. This question of why. Why should I give more? And this question shows up all the time, right? Why should I give my hard-earned money to that? More than any other time, not only are you told, you know, go spend, spend, shop, 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 but also uh, you're hit up more for financial donations to this organization or that one or whatever. All the time, people are asking for your money. And the question always arises, well, Why should I give to you? And in fact, as you go to a lot of these different websites of these different organizations, they'll have right there on the website, well, here's, when you give to us, here's where the money goes. Because they know that that question arises all the time. Why should I give to you? Why, why, why? Well, what we're looking at this morning, just in the same way that Dave did last week, is we're looking at this uh, idea of intentionality. Why give more Well, so that. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Let me pray. God, uh, please just be here in this moment with us. God, allow us to remove the distractions. God, lay aside uh, a lot of the, the hustle and bustle that might be going on in our own minds of of places to be at and things to do and uh, gifts to get and, God, going through our different lists. God, let that all just settle for just a few minutes as we dive into your word, as we look at what you've asked of us. God, please just let us soak in you this morning and leave here just with more fervor, for you, more passion for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your Bible with you, open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one uh, in the seat in front of you or somebody else's seat in, uh, close to you. If you don't own a Bible at all, please take that one home with you, our gift to you. We want God's Word in your home. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And that's where we're going to hang out this morning. Not a common Christmas passage, but definitely a great passage for today. Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church. Um, It's actually his fourth letter. He uh, wrote a lot of letters to him, to the Corinthian church, the the second that we have. And he had written to them before and uh, had asked for help 
for the, the Christians in Jerusalem, the distressed believers in Jerusalem. And the Corinthian church was all excited about giving. Yes, yes, we believe in that. We're passionate about that. We want to give to help the believers in Jerusalem. And so Paul is writing here to just kind of follow up with that promise. So we're picking up in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints. For I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in accordance or in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not one grudgingly given. So in other words, Paul's just saying, hey, look, I know you said you were going to give. I know you're excited about it. I don't have to tell you about the ministry anymore. But basically, we don't have the money yet. We want to make sure you're still on board. You know, I've told everyone how excited you are about this. I want to make sure you guys are following through with that. Let's continue on. And he gives them some reminders and some encouraging words here. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should decide or should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In this passage, Paul points to the so that that we are looking for. But before we get there, what I wanted to do is take a look at some so that's that we are warned about. First of all, do we give or do you give so that you do the right thing? So that you do the right thing. Maybe sometimes gifts come this way. And, and this can be you know gifts like presents from one person to another, or this could be charitable donations, or however, however you interpret it. Well, we've always given them something. Or maybe you, you thought through it this way. Well, they gave us something, so yeah, we'd, we'd better return the favor. Or you're, you're headed to a, a party or a gathering, and well, everybody else is giving something, so I probably should as well. See, what, what Paul is warning against here is, is kind of this idea. You know, uh, I, I used to be kind of vocal about my giving. You know, we're all sitting down together having some pizza or whatever. I can't, I can't buy a slice of pizza. Well, why, Ben? Oh, well, because I'm giving that money away. Yeah, I'm a giver. Yeah, so I, I, I know you're all eating your pizza and it looks really good, but... I just can't buy a slice because I'm a giver. You know, and I tried to butter myself up and make, you know, people feel sorry for me or, oh, wow, you know, like, you know, Ben's doing really good or whatever. Um, but, but it was this, like, reluctance to give that Paul's talking about. See, he, he's got a contrast here in the first part of verse 7. He says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly. 
you know what, this is what I've decided to give. I'm excited about this. I'm going to give this much, and, and that's where I'm going to be. Then there's, there's no grudge behind it. There's no reluctance behind it because that's what you've decided to give. See, I've got this, uh, this image here, and it points to Luke chapter 21. If you want to flip over there, you're more than welcome to. Keep your finger in 2 Corinthians because we're coming back. But the beginning of Luke chapter 21... It says this, As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. See, the other people that were there that were giving were giving because they knew it was the right thing to do. It didn't hurt them. It didn't bother them. They gave because they knew it was the right thing to do. Let me ask you this question. Are you complaining about your giving? Maybe you're not as vocal as I was about the pizza and you know, letting everybody know, hey, I'm a giver. Pat me on the back, please. Um, maybe that's not you, but, but, but maybe there's some subtle way that you're kind of griping about it. Maybe you gripe to your spouse. Maybe you're even griping in your own head a little bit about giving. But you know, yeah, it's the right thing to do. So reluctantly, I will give. But Paul warns and says, that's, that's not the right way to give. Second, should, we, should you give so that you are obedient? So that you check off a box, so that you do what you were supposed to do and you, 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 you pass the test. Maybe, maybe you've given this way before. You, you know you'd better give a gift to your boss or he'll look down on you or he won't give you as big of a raise or whatever it may be. Maybe you show up at a service project because you... Feel guilty that you haven't been in a long time. Oh, man, I really haven't done any service in a long time. So, yeah, I'd, I'd better go to this one. That was my attitude toward tithing for a long time. And uh, maybe it still is for some of you. Just this idea of, okay, I, I, I'm given because I know I'm supposed to. And so I'm, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to be excited about it. I was uh, with my parents. We were at Toys R Us. Man, anytime you go to Toys R Us with your parents, it's exciting. Uh, this was last week. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> this was a long time ago, and uh, we were we were walking through Toys R Us, and we go over to the the aisles of Legos. I love Legos. I, I grew up playing with Legos, and uh, so we're down on this uh, these aisles of Legos. And uh, my mom goes and reaches for this Lego set that I had been wanting for a while and uh, grabs it and, and, and puts it in the cart. I was like, sweet, score, Lego set. And I'm already thinking through in my head, like, okay, here's how I'm going to integrate with all my other Lego sets. And then if I take these pieces here and this, and I can build this really tall tower and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, we get home, and uh, I find out that it's not for me. Uh, in fact, it's, uh, uh, it's for someone... Uh, at our church that we were going to at the time, they were uh, doing this thing where you could like 
pick a child and get gifts for that specific child. And these are kids that, that wouldn't otherwise get Christmas gifts. And so you go and you pick out a Christmas gift for that child. Uh, and, so, and so that's what we were there doing. I had a real hard time seeing that Lego set leave my house. Real hard time. Needless to say, I wasn't a very cheerful giver. Absolutely not. But here again, we have a contrast. In the second half of verse 7, he says, you know, don't give under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants us to be cheerful when we give, not uh, because we're supposed to or because it's a necessity or as one version puts it, because your arm is being twisted. Don't give out of arm twisting. Well, you've, you've got to. So let me ask you this question. Are you only giving because you know you should? Are you only giving because you know you should? Now, these are two reasons to give that Paul kind of warns against. But let me say, are these still both worth doing? Is it worth giving just out of doing the right thing? Well, sure. Is it worth giving out of obedience? Sure. You're still giving. Someone's still receiving a gift from you. So if that's your only motivation to give, well, let it be there. And, and continue to give. But I believe there is a much, much better reason to give. Much more compelling and makes me more passionate and more excited about giving and makes all of this so much easier. The idea of deciding in my heart to give, the idea of being a cheerful giver comes from the verses that are following. Now, right before that, uh, Paul does point out, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And he, he points to the fact that, hey, the amount that you give is the amount that you will receive as well. You know, and so that definitely compels some people to give. Well, I'm, I'm going to give because I know that God will bless me. And in the verses following, we, we do see that. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We're promised that, hey, as we give, God knows what we need. He's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. So rest in that as you think about giving this, this holiday season. As you think about giving your stuff. As you think about giving your time. Know that God knows every little detail and will take care of everything. It's scary sometimes to, to give something away knowing, gosh, that, that could have been rent money or that could have taken care of a couple of bills or that could have helped over here. God knows and he's always good. So let's uh, take a look at what Paul tells us is a great reason to give. But before we do that, I wanted to ask this question. Where did the tradition of gift-giving at Christmas originate? Turn to people next to you, talk about that amongst yourselves. Where did this idea of gift-giving actually come from? 
Where did the tradition of gift giving at Christmas originate? David. From the three kings, right? Uh, the wise men, magi, whatever they were, showed up and gave gifts to Jesus, right? That's what you're talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people point to that as, you know, where this idea of gift giving came from. Well, the, the, the kings showed up and, and, and gave gifts to Jesus, you know, so that means that, that we should give to each other. Uh, what else? Yeah, Connor. Because of the uh, Saint Nick idea? Yeah, yeah, the whole Saint Nick idea, right? Uh, this guy, Nicholas, uh, was very affluent, you know, had a lot of money, um, and, and gave a lot of it away. Uh, and so, sure, it evolved into, you know, the whole Santa Claus thing. Um, but, yeah, that's where that originally came from. Oh, I've got pictures of this, too. There's the wise men. There's good old Saint Nick. Um, anything else? Absolutely. That's like the best one ever, right? God loved us, gave himself to us, which we'll get into even more as we come up. Um, I've, got, I've got another one for you, unless there's others out there. All right, I've got another one for you. Um, this uh, Druid festival uh, called Saturnalia, okay? Um, this was, this was a, a pagan festival that happened uh, in mid-December, uh, it would last about a week, maybe a little bit longer. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, don't research too much about this, because there's just a lot of shady stuff that happened uh, during this. But one of the things that happened during this festival was gift giving. People would give gifts to each other. People would also give gifts to the poor. Um, so there was a lot of gift giving happening. And uh, even Christians during this time would, would, would join in with that part of the festival and, and were giving gifts. Well, uh, because of all the, the paganism that was happening during this ritual, the, the church said, you know what, that's it. We're not celebrating this. We're not. So uh, they totally shut it all down. Um, but, uh, but Christians during that time still really loved this idea of gift-giving um, and though the, though the church wanted to be separate from that festival, they decided to grab the idea of gift-giving because so many people wanted to be giving gifts and, and, and took a, a more Christian spin to it. So that's a little bit about uh, Saturnalia and, and where uh, gift-giving comes from. Now here's the cool thing about all of these is that all of these point to Christ, who's the center of the Christmas story. Um, I even had vertical slides in this morning uh, just to illustrate this idea that giving should be something vertical. See, the wise men. The wise men uh, gave gifts, but interestingly enough, they, they didn't give gifts to each other. Right? They didn't show up. Hey, Jesus, we're here to worship you. Hey, Bob, I don't know what their names were. Uh, here's a gift, right? Like, they didn't give them to each other. They gave them to Jesus. And somehow it, it, it turned into us giving gifts to each other to celebrate Jesus, um, which is a good story in and of itself. Uh, but uh, the wise men showed up and gave gifts as an act of worship to Jesus. It was about Jesus. 
And if you want to get some really cool stuff about Christmas, maybe you've looked into this before or not, but, but, but research the three different gifts that were given and why they were given. There's some really cool stuff that point to Jesus' king, Jesus' royalty, and, and even his death in those gifts. It's really, really interesting. But, but St. Nicholas as well, uh, he didn't take any credit for his gifts. He wasn't marching around and saying, hey, hey, look at me, I'm giving gifts, aren't I awesome? But rather, uh, did it covertly. There's, there's lots of different legends and stories kind of tied into all of that. Um, some of them have to do with him actually dropping money down a chimney and it landing in a stocking that was drying by the fire. And so that's where the whole stockings at Christmas idea came from. Um, and why we put them by the fire. Um, but again, just um, it, it wasn't for him to receive the credit. But actually, Nicholas was a guy that was passionate about Jesus. Passionate about Jesus. And he wanted people to see that. So here, this whole idea of Santa Claus, like I, I know that uh, it can be a touchy subject for some people, but um, it points to Christ. And in our conversations with others, we can, we can point to Christ as we talk about good old St. Nick. And even Saturnalia, where the church said, you know what, here's a pagan tradition, but we want to take it and we want to point it to Christ. Because that's what this Christmas season is all about. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read through a little bit more. Because Paul points to this exact same thing. In verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God's going to take care of us. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplied seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Again, there's that promise. God's going to take care of us as we give faithfully. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now catch this. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That is a huge encouragement to give. Hey, you know what, Corinthians? I know you're excited to give. I know you said you were excited to give. Now, now let me give you a little bit of encouragement to actually follow through and do the giving you said you were going to. As you give, your gifts are going to point people to Jesus. Your gifts are going to point people to the cross. That is why we should give. Give so that you point people to Jesus. So I ask you this morning, what is your gift giving point to? Does your giving show apathy? Very last minute? Does it show laziness? Or does your gift giving show that you genuinely care? See, Paul was excited that the people's gifts were pointing people to Christ. And like I said, that's just the greatest 
encouragement. Not long ago, some of us from our church went, uh, went up to San Francisco. Uh, we had clothing, that, and we went up to uh, this, this part of San Francisco called the Tenderloin, where there's lots of homeless people. And we went there to, to give clothes to these homeless people. Now, there's different ways we could have gone about it. We could have very easily gotten up there, dropped the bags in key locations, and turned around and left. And I guarantee you those clothes would have been gone in a matter of minutes. We accomplished what we set out to do. Gave them clothes. But that's not what happens. Rather, we, we, we get off and we walk around and we engage with people. We look them in the eye. We shake their hand. We talk to them. We hear about their story. But more than anything, we point them to Jesus. We pray with them. I've had amazing, amazing conversations with people all over clothes. See, really, it's not about the clothes. The clothes are just a catalyst to allow us to really engage in the best gift that we have to offer, which is Jesus. Does your gift giving point to the true giver? Does it point to Jesus? Let me give you something tangible, a tangible way to give. Give a gift with you attached. Let me explain. Up here I have two hammers. These are the only two hammers that I own. Both of them were given to me as gifts. Um, in fact, I left the house this morning and had forgotten them um, and uh, asked my mom to, to stop by her house on the way and, and pick them up. And she said, well, can I just bring two of your dad's hammers? I said, no, I need these two. These two hammers were given to me, and I remember when both of them were given to me. This one was given to me Christmas of 1995. And the reason I remember is that very next April, I was supposed to head down to Mexico uh, with my high school and, and build houses for those in need. Now, one of the things we were supposed to bring along, every person was supposed to bring along, was a hammer. Um, and uh, it was in a, a Christmas present for me. My dad gave this hammer to me. My dad gave this hammer to me. But this hammer wasn't just a hammer. This hammer came along with a commitment from my dad. It was, son, I'm giving this to you so that you can go and do God's work. But also, I'm coming along with you. My dad went with me that April. And every April after, my dad has gone every year up until now down to Mexico to serve. See, he didn't just give me a hammer. He gave me himself as well and said, I'm here with you. And so I guarantee you, every time I pick up this hammer, it's more than just a hammer to me. Anytime I look at any hammer... It has a significance for me because it's attached to my dad. My other hammer came a number of years later uh, when I was a senior in high school. 
This was now my fourth trip that was coming up. So I'd done this three times already, and uh, every year I worked on the same house as my dad. And so the, that April, the April of my senior year, as dad gave me this hammer, he said, you're in charge of the roof. See, uh, etched in here into the wood, which my dad did, is a roof and a really huge guy right next to it, which is me. Um, makes sense. And uh, this was his way of saying, hey, I trust you enough to take care of the roof. So once we got the four walls up, I was up in the sky, and I had a crew of people with me, and I was the one directing and making sure that the roof went on straight, that all the pieces were taken care of, that every part got in its place. Because I had done it before. But again, this wasn't just a hammer. There was so much more that was attached to this gift. I love these two hammers to death. But not because they're hammers. Because of who gave them and why they were given. And see, you can give a gift in that same way, a gift with you attached. This website, RethinkingChristmas.com, points to Pinterest. And I know a lot of you out there love Pinterest and love sharing and, and collaborating and getting ideas from and giving ideas to. And there, there's, there's tons of different ideas of creative ways to give at Christmas. So I encourage you to go and take a look. But maybe as you're giving somebody a, a DVD, it comes with a condition of, the first time you watch it, I'm going to be sitting right next to you. Or maybe you give a Starbucks card, but it comes with the condition of, anytime you use that Starbucks card, I'm going to be at Starbucks with you. So don't use it unless we're there together. I guarantee you, they'll look at Starbucks differently. They'll look at coffee differently. Or maybe, uh, as you give somebody a game, you, you give it and say, I, I'm giving this to you, but the first time, I want us to play it together. See, you're not just giving a gift, but rather you're giving yourself. And the beautiful thing about this is, this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus gave himself, which was the best gift he could ever offer. If someone asked you what the greatest good on this earth was, what would you say? An epic surf session? Financial security? Health? Meaningful, trusting friendships? Intimacy with your spouse? Knowing that you belong? The greatest good on this earth is God, period. God's one goal for us is himself. See, God gave us the most beautiful gift. God in the flesh. God with us. Emmanuel. But just like I'm encouraging you to do, and I'm totally rethinking how I give this Christmas, just as I'm encouraging you to, to give a gift with you attached, God gave Jesus with an attachment. All he asked is that you live life his way, not yours. I was reading in uh, Revelation this morning, and this was so cool. Just thinking about Christmas, and I read this out of Revelation chapter 21. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, 
coming out of uh, heaven from God. Prepare the bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. See, he came already 2,000 years ago, but he's promised that he's coming again. So my encouragement to you is that this Christmas, you give with intentionality. Whether it's the gifts that you are already going to give people, just think it through a little bit differently and say, man, how can I attach myself to this gift? Uh, Okay, here's a sweater. I want to take you out to dinner the first time you wear it. Or something like that. But be creative with it. And attach yourself to the gift. Because, man, just giving yourself, giving your time is huge. But even more so, be creative in your gift giving that you point people to Jesus. We were encouraged last week to, to spend less money on a gift so that we could give more of it away. Well, away how or to whom? Give it away so that someone can be pointed to Jesus. Or the same thing with your time. As you give, as you choose to spend less time on on one outing, on one activity, and say, you know what, I'm going to give it away. Give it away so that you point people to Jesus. Because isn't that what it's really all about? Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Like I mentioned, I was at uh, Christmas in the Park. And this was the one scene. I took this picture at Christmas in the Park. This was the one scene out of all the different displays that pointed to the true meaning of Christmas. Boy, I hope that as people walk by that they really get it. Because Christmas is really all about Christ. So as we give, my encouragement to you is give so that people will see Jesus. He gave himself to us, and all he asked is that you live life his way, not yours. Let me pray. Thank you, God, for your indescribable gift. A gift that just, it makes no sense to me. I don't understand why. But yet, God, you love us. You choose us. And you give us yourself. Thank you so much for that. And God, as we receive that, let us be excited to give you to others creatively and intentionally. God, not letting another Christmas season go by without pointing the people we love to you. Because you are truly the best that life has to offer. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen.